Media at SAFM with Ashraf Gardner. Sunday morning and a good morning to you. So much to talk about over the next two hours as we get into uh, marketing and branding issues, um, well, from 9 to 11. And uh, if you're listening in for the first time, goodness, where were you? If you're listening regularly, as many people do, and I get your feedback, believe me, I don't always answer you, but it's certainly absolutely appreciated. 891 if you wish to call in, relevant to the subject at the time, 34701 if you wish to SMS and you have the option to tweet as well. So lots to come. I'll tell you about other things later on. Of course, we will talk about the Oscar story, not in terms of what may and may not happen, but to more importantly, from uh, from from this show point of view, some of the journalists, including Cruella Lewis and Jacques Cien, in terms of them covering the Oscar story, you know, what was it like to actually work the Oscar beat? Uh, for over a year, in fact. So we'll talk about that. But for now, so what about this year? Think about this. Consumer brands, right, as we know them, and then political parties, and then sports teams, those three. If we say consumer brands versus political parties versus sports teams, you know, which one of the three actually works best in engendering loyalty uh, from you, the listener, or in this case, the consumer? And, and how does it, in fact, work? And so who learns what from each other and what more can they learn from each other so I've got three guests Cesar Keller Marut Lule is with me the CEO of uh, Moonchild she's a marketing strategist there uh, Cesar Keller good chatting to you hi 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 good we also have Michael Goldman who's uh, Michael's in the USA woke up early this morning or it's late at night there adjunct faculty uh, at uh, Professor Gibbs an associate professor at the University of San Francisco Michael good chatting to you once again hi Good morning, Asha. Good morning, indeed, or good evening for you, right? Sarah Britton is also with me, Strategic Director at the Lab Store Office for South Africa and Africa. Sarah, good chatting to you, and uh, uh, congratulations on your marriage. Well-publicized, well-treated <laughs> marriage, I should say. <laughs> Thanks, Asha. <laughs> Thank you. Right. Let, in, in fact, my, my, uh, Sarah, let me, let me start with you, since you've just recently married. I mean, there's this issue, political parties, sports teams, and, and consumer brands, and I see, you know, you've been you're having this debate already on Twitter ahead of the show. I'm, you know, who works best at sort of engendering this, this loyalty? I suspect political parties, certain political parties. Uh, I was uh, saying on Facebook, you know, is the ANC the Coke of South African politics? Uh, and it, it, it raises interesting questions because I was thinking you, you can't um, simply say that uh, politics engenders more loyalty because certain political parties don't engender much loyalty at all. Mm -hmm. uh, I, but I think what, what, what it did remind me of is something that, that political parties and sports teams do tend to have and, and many consumer brands don't is a very powerful emotional connection and a very powerful sense of connection to others. It's almost tribal. And I was thinking that very few consumer brands do that, with the exception possibly of, say, Harley-Davidson, mm. which very deliberately um, did that through the Harley Owners Group. And something that consumer brands can learn from, from sports teams and politics is, is the power of social connection, because it's not just the emotional connection you have to the brand, it's, it's the emotional connection to others through that brand. If you support FC Barcelona, which has... 74 million Facebook fans it's absolutely massive then you feel a certain connection with everybody else who also supports that team and I think that's where the power of, of those sort of collective identities lie and many consumer brands don't have that. Okay so the question is what, you know, can they possibly learn in this case from sports teams and maybe the same will apply to political parties if you go to a rally and you find a mate of yours wearing the same t-shirt as you there's, there's a connection, you don't have to say a word you know there's a connection. Michael Goldman, you, you know, give, me, give me your opening thoughts 
Absolutely. I think Sarah's uh, knocked a number of those things on the head. Uh, it is really about the emotional, the effective connection. At the end of the day, we build brand through connecting with what people think, what they feel, and what they do. So it's head, heart, and hands. And I think great, strong brands, whichever category we're going to look at today, I think they do that exceptionally well over a long period of time, growing with consumers, with fans, with supporters over a period of time. So, yeah, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, the, the trademarkable uh, intellectual property may be the mark or the design or the logo or the name, but we know that brands are so much more than that. They're the meaning that gets wrapped around, uh, you know, those images, uh, and, and that's what really people buy at the end of the day, and it gives people so much more than perhaps the functional product or service that they actually get that's associated with a brand. The brand gives them so much more value. Uh, and as Sarah said, it is both at the, at, the, at the personal psychological level, but also the sociological level in terms of the connection with others. Right, we'll get more. I'm going to get your opinion as well to SMS me 34701. Now, Sizakile Marutlume is the CEO of Moonshout. He used to be the head of the brand at Absalon. Interesting. You then were dealing with brands. You were dealing with your bank. And, of course, you were dealing with sports teams, I think, to a large extent. Right? Give me, give me your thoughts on this, this relationship between the three and, and what works for one may or may not work elsewhere. I, I actually think that um, the key difference between consumer brands and perhaps low, um, political parties is political parties don't often think of themselves as brands. Mm, mm. They often think of themselves as either movements yeah. or reflections of some sector of society. So it's just like Sarah said, um, it is about building an emotional connection. I think it's um, Richard Branson who said, business is not about numbers, business is about emotions. Mm. If you can get them to feel something, hopefully a positive, then they'll stay with you through time. But somebody said there's nothing more emotional than your political party winning an election every four or five years, no matter where you are in the world. I mean, it does build emotion, doesn't it? The Kaiser Chiefs fan may differ because mm. he may also feel that there's nothing more important than his team winning. I, th I think what, what is important is in understanding the construction of brand, let's let's just say it's a product, mm -hmm. a unique promise that's relevant, that therefore makes me feel like there's a cultural connection. Not not culture as in Zulu people mm -hmm. or whatever, but culture as in the things that connect us as a tribe that chooses to associate with your brand. So if, the, if there's stuff that political brands can learn from consumer brands, it's just recognize the power of your own brand equity. So your spokesperson is a reflection of your brand. The other office bearers are brand ambassadors. So just understand that everybody who's associated with your political party carries a reflection. So, so if, if political parties are less emotion than consumer brands, it's a case of maybe they're taking it slightly more for granted in terms of that captive audience. I mean, do, do you agree with that, Sarah? You know, maybe we just run to that first of all. What, what, what can political parties learn from the other two? And then we'll go vice versa just now. So your thoughts, what can political parties learn from consumer brands and sports teams? Well, firstly, from a sport point of view, there's, there's you know, your, your loyalty to your, your, your sport brand of preference is tested quite regularly because they're in competition and if they lose your loyalty is tested so there are performance very clear performance assessments of the brand you choose uh, at regular intervals but I was thinking uh, earlier this year when, when we had the latest general elections then it would be really interesting to buy apply shopper marketing strategy to political parties because if, if you think about it the shelf is the equivalent of the ballot you've got a whole lot of choice there mm. you've got mm. certain emotional connections to some brands listed there and not others what is the thing that is going to you know what is that moment of truth what is going to make you put your cross next to one party and not the other 
And I think that that was a big issue for a party like the DA, which is trying to overcome incredibly strong emotional associations with um, the, the market leader, the ANC, and is trying to put forward a more rational proposition. But you can see that even when people are unhappy or, or protesting or, you know, that service delivery protests, people still default to the brand that they feel that emotional connection mm-hmm. So I was thinking shopper marketing would be very interesting to apply to elections because it's a, a rational overlay on what is often a very yeah, well, well, uh, see, that, emotional that, that's process. That's precisely the point. And I'll, and I'll bring it back to, to Michael Goldman now, uh, who's online from San Francisco. Michael, you see, that's the point, isn't it? So generally, unless a political party then performs performance dismally over over 10 years and they sort of drop out completely and the same with with the sports team generally i would say sports teams and political parties are more tribal than than consumer brands and therefore people appear to be more loyal to them but if, if we agree with that and you can tell me whether you in fact you do agree or not the question then is is do consumer brands follow the same pattern and what, what are they not doing so why are they not doing so Sure, absolutely. I think it's absolutely right that uh, what uh, what political parties and what sports brands do is add the sociological aspect, right? So it's the social identity, this aspect that we draw from our connection with others. And I think uh, consumer brands, on the whole, besides uh, you know the two or three mentioned already, the Harley Davidson, perhaps Apple, and a few others, that, that, that become more of, of social icons. On the whole, consumer brands are more of an individual or perhaps a family uh, kind of focus. I I think the, the big difference between sports teams and perhaps what political parties could learn from great sports brands is to recognize that they don't become great brands from what they do on the field. They become great brands from what they do off the field. Uh, and, and winning on the field is not the key driver of becoming a great sports brand. Okay, expl- expl- sports explain that, Michael. Uh, Michael, yeah, a, a, give, me, give me an example of that, yeah? Well, certainly, if you look at the latest Forbes research, you know, and and you look at the teams that are the the strongest uh, on any kind of ranking, um, often you see NFL, you know, the American football teams. that, uh, that perform really well there financially, uh, build great businesses and have very uh, loyal fans, but they haven't won in a while. And, you know, we mentioned Kaiser Chiefs earlier, and they, they've gone through a, a difficult time a few years ago, but still have 13 million fans. And so I think what, what sports brands show you is how you build that connection beyond winning on the field. You can't win every weekend, and in the same way a political party cannot win every election. But building deep, loyal, deep attitudinal loyalty is about going beyond that and building meaning that you know has an impact on people's lives beyond the performance on the field well i'll tell you what it's uh when we often talk about this being the two-hour on-air free consultation in marketing and media, this is exactly what it is. It's so interesting. Uh, so if you're in business or if you're studying marketing, I suggest for the next 15 minutes, listen attentively. There's some great lessons coming through. We're talking about political parties on the one hand versus consumer brands versus sports teams in terms of who works best in engendering that, that sense of loyalty, the blind loyalty that, goodness, you just want people. So the point that Sarah made, if you even went to a supermarket and there's five items there, what is it that gets you to pick up the one particular, you know, chocolate bar versus the other? There's, there's a sense of almost loyalty. There's a sense of uh, commitment to that particular brand. There's a sense of, you know, I don't pick it up. I feel sorry for it. I feel like that. I love buying rolls because even if I don't eat it, I feel sorry if I don't buy it. I just have this affinity with rolls, genuinely so. So do you have the same thing? But how then do we apply to all, to the, 
to the other two industries and, and vice versa. I've got three guests. You've heard the voice of Michael Goldman. We also have Sarah Britton with us and uh, Cesar Kile Marutlule, who's the CEO of uh, Moonshine. Let, let's talk about that, Cesar Kile. You know, Michael made the point about sports teams. It's what they do off the field. Now, a classic example is a brand that from, from your absolute days you were involved in, which is Bafana Bafana, isn't it? That is true. Where they were generally, and they haven't performed for the better part of, I think, 15 years or so. And that's the, and that for me is where the rubber hits the road. Because I think where consumer brands often get it wrong is we think the conversation ends when the 30 second spot ends. Mm, mm. And sport brands on the other side recognize that this is about telling a brand narrative, like, let's have a story. So it's not so much about loyalty as much as it is about engagement. And I think sports brands have been a lot better at keeping people in Engaged, which and, and is that, why you can see people on the stand make this sign about change the course, yes, change the referee. Change. Totally engaged. There's an interaction, so there's no broadcasting in that sort of relationship. It's a it's a conversation. It is. I'm unhappy with number seven. Change him when you get to halftime. But but is that engagement? Or is that ownership? Where they believe the club belongs to them. It's Therefore, sh- they can tell the coach what he needs to do. And in fact, in the Carling Black Label Cup, you can do exactly that. That's another debate completely. I mean, your thoughts on that? And that's the power of the consumer, right? He's saying that the responsibility of enjoyment is mine, but the joy of the output is co-created. So you're no longer in a zone where you can decide what you give me. Because remember, I paid the ticket, so I want to make sure that I enjoy it as well. So brands also need to learn that you, you don't own the brand. You are the custodian. The people who buy it are the ones who own it, and therefore they're asking for their voice to be heard. I mean, the proliferation of social media has put that to great example, that if you don't listen to the people you serve, your brand doesn't have a long life to have. Interesting. There's two guests I normally have here who are not on the air, but they, they, they're talking. Jeremy Sampson tweeting saying, well, the knocking of Apple continues now, the largest company in the world by market cap. And, and uh, Janine Hills from Vuma Reputation uh, saying, agreed, brands continue to inspire and to lead. They just, by the way, uh, as per the discussions that Sarah Britton initiated just before we went on the air. Sarah, let's then talk about, you know, so how close are consumer brands to creating that and I'm using the word tribal loyalty and engagement. Are, are they there? Because some may say they're there. The bottom line suggests they are there in terms of profit. But are they really there or, or, or not? Or do they, have, do they have work to do? I think one or two consumer brands are there. And, and Apple's a very good example of a brand that, that, that sparked almost fanatical loyalty. And I think and it's going through an interesting phase and has been for a while because there you have an example of a small challenger brand that stood for something that people really believed in, hence the fanatical loyalty, which has now gone very mainstream and is incredibly profitable and in, in many ways is, well, it's the, the market leader in many senses. It's um, hugely successful. So sometimes you'll find that brands can become the victim of their own success if, if they become, if they lose those qualities that, that people love them for. And, and that's always a risk with, with consumer brands. Most consumer brands can't play in that space either because the category that they're in is just not that high engagement. I think categories like, like automotive or, you know, motorcycles mm-hmm. or, or indeed technology tend to be a high involvement purchase. And people want to buy into your philosophy. They want to buy into the product experience. And it, they, they extrapolate this to, if I buy this product, what does this product say about me? And if you've ever watched the debate between BMW owners and Mercedes owners on Facebook, you'll realize that there really is tried BMW and tried Mercedes then. And it's, it's because people use those brands to define themselves, much in the way that if I'm a Storm supporter versus a Shark supporter, that defines who I am. 
and it defines who I am publicly, and that's why we see so much tweeting in mm. particular mm. about mm. sports matches. I like to call it digital allo-grooming. It's a form of social re- bond reinforcement. If I tweet about my sports team, everyone else can see that I support that team, and therefore that's going to impact how others perceive me. And that's also where um, political parties have an advantage in that your your public support for something puts you in a certain um, social relationship with them and it makes you feel part, part of something that's bigger than yourself. Categories like, uh, I don't know, perhaps um, coffee, for example, or even eating a chocolate bar, those are fairly private acts. So it's difficult for those categories to move into a space of fanatical loyalty unless they go out like a Ben and Jerry's and talk about the philosophy. And of course, Ben and Jerry's, I think, got bought out by, um, it might have been Unilever, if, um, correct me if I'm wrong. So when you sell out to a bigger company that doesn't espouse those same values, mm, mm, then mm. you lose that fanatical base. So they play in this very interesting and difficult space. And that's also why it's so much harder for consumer brands to, to get that kind of loyalty. Well, M- Michael, I mean, just borrowing again from the political side and, and the sports teams that, that you, you obviously follow as part of your studies, I mean, consumer brands, are they, are they there in creating that you know, additional loyalty or, or, or do, they, do they in fact hope that you simply like, like the food, let's call it that, like the burger, and then you'll always just like it and, and they do nothing else? I mean, what else do they do to ensure there's greater engagement? Absolutely. I think the reality is that most consumer products are really boring. Uh, and what people are actually you know, wanting to buy is something that's interesting. And what we certainly see is a lot of consumer brands sponsoring sport and using the sport platform for one reason only, you know, sport and art and music, etc. Mm-hmm. And, and that platform is because it forms part of someone's lifestyle. It takes that product, it takes that brand that's typically boring and, and not something we wake up in the morning and thinking about and puts it core into our lives. And that's the thing that political parties and sporting brands do so well is they are core to our lives. And so I think the message here for consumer brands is to understand what role can that brand play, what role can that category play in the consumer's life? Do you understand the day in the life of your consumer and what real value and and understanding the real benefits, not functional benefits of the product, but the real benefits that that brand can add to your target consumer's life, then the brand comes alive. Uh, And certainly what we see with sports sponsorships is that brands are trying to do that through a proxy uh, of something like sport that certainly is Mm-hmm. Of, you know, everyone's 24 hour day. All right, there's a couple of calls I can take right away. 0891104207. That's the voice of Michael Goldman, who's a, an associate professor at the University of uh, San Francisco, also links with Gibbs in South Africa, of course. Uh, Sarah Britton, who's a strate- strategic director at uh, for South Africa and Africa for the Lab Store. And Sizakile Marutlule is the CEO of uh, Moonshot. 0891104207. Let, let's then talk, uh, Sizakile, about. If, if we look at the three, which one does best in, in, in crossing over to the other side? What, what I mean by that, if for, for most people, when they look at sports brands, in, in its literal sense, all they should be playing is, doing, is playing sport. For many people. But the reality, we know that's not the case. They have to dabble in other things so their income is even bigger from outside the sports field than the sports field, something that you've, you've mentioned earlier on. Who does best in doing that? Because do political parties do the same thing, play outside their game? 
I actually think sporting brands do a lot a lot better. Even though I'm just to echo what Michael was saying earlier, the consumer brand is about a lifestyle fit and mm. the political brand is about a life fit. Mm-hmm. And and I think the the faster that the political parties can understand that the better for how they can manage their their uh, brand communication going forward. But to answer your point, I do think that sports brands have a lot more mobility because there's a lot more interaction and there's even though people are fanatical, it doesn't feel like um it's not as divisive as religion because if you want to kill a party, talk about politics and religion or in children, of course, then the, the some, some may disagree with you about sport, but that's another <laughs> debate. Yeah, but I, but I do think that there's a there's a, there's a there's much more scope for sport brands to go outside the realm of whether they do it well or not is another conversation. So they could still be friendly banter around it, which is yeah. interesting. Some may say the the anomaly in the world is, is Kaiser Chiefs and Orlando Pirates now. Most other clubs or great rivals in the world, they just don't talk to each other, I think, anyway. Uh, Sigyn Renberg, let's get your thoughts. Hi. Hello. Uh, the, the common ground between uh, the brands that are consumer goods and those that are sports and those that are political parties, the common ground is, is security, uh, which is rooted in trust, uh, which, which, which uh, is the very essence of what it's really all about. And, 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 and this is why our political situation is, is so horrible that, that people just simply don't trust the whites because of their history okay. uh, and, 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 and cheating uh, that goes on by their own party is irrelevant because, the, because of the dominant insecurity of the racial, racial okay. disparity. You see, it's also beyond that, Sig. Thanks, uh, thanks for that comment. You see, some may say, if we're saying there are shortcomings in political parties because of what they do and shortcomings in sports teams because of what they do, clearly there are many good examples of consumer brands that spend lots of money in promoting themselves and then don't live up to the brand promise in the engagement when you go to the store. So if if you have one shortcoming, they have their own, and and yet people still sometimes go back. See, uh, so, uh, so saying, Ashraf, I think when it comes down to loyalty, sport fans win the award hands down. The MT88 final losers will still be supported. Maybe that, that's your personal choice. I wonder, uh, Sarah, just anything else you want to pick up? We've got about four minutes remaining, so that, that could be, and we could probably talk for an hour. But anything else you want to pick up that you think is really important here? Well, I was thinking about the question of loyalty, and, and loyalty matters when you aren't doing well. Loyalty matters when you don't like what a brand is doing and you still support it. And I, it's, it's what I often say to my clients on, on social media, which is a very interesting space for brands because it's where people can be very visible about their support for a brand um, and where they can, the, your, the brand you support becomes part of a, a wider social ecosystem. But your brand, um, particularly when you're on social media, is a way of buying in, in forgiveness in advance of messing up. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's ever going to get it right every single time. Uh, and, and I think that's true no matter what category you play in. Things are always going to go wrong for one reason or mm, another. Mm. So in a way, your brand is an investment in forgiveness so that when you aren't perfect, when you don't deliver on your brand promise, people are willing to give you another chance. And that's why you invest in that emotional connection because that's ultimately what a brand is. Brand is about emotion. And, even, and this is something I realize more and more even though I'm, I'm moving more into the shopper marketing space, which is often very behavioral mm, mm, mm. And, and much more rational, is that one of the nudges that will get people to choose something rather than something else is that emotional connection. And you, you invest in a brand so that people choose you no matter what. You don't right. want brands to be a rational choice.
Okay, we've got about three minutes remaining. It's an interesting point. Michael, you can maybe answer this. So if we look at all three, and we've already made the point, all three has peaks and troughs at, at different stages of, of, of their lifespan. The, the, the classic one currently, I think, is the Manchester United one. It's quite an interesting one. But with all three of them, right, and Apple, as was suggested earlier on, and maybe BlackBerry too, which one of the three would you find is, is best able to cope with going through a trough? I mean, still being able to engender that sense of loyalty, even though there's like, what, let's call it seven lean years. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think certainly, you know, it would be the political parties and the sports brands that I think would be able to, uh, you know, survive um, on-field lack of delivery. You know, Jeremy Sampson will talk about the importance of, of a promise made and a promise delivered. Mm, mm. The important caveat there, I think, increasingly is that the promise is not a functional promise. Um, but it, it's an emotional promise and it's a broader uh, set of benefits that you're promising as a brand. Uh, and if you're able to tie people into that and get them to believe that what they're buying is beyond the functional, well then when the functional lets you down, there's a whole bunch more that still connects you to that brand. And so head, heart and hands are really connected to the brand, not just for what it functionally gives you, but so much more. And therefore, those, those connectors don't... You know, okay, don't so, so they're less likely to get dumped. I think that's, that's very important. Cesar Killer, you concur with that? Because yes, we've looked at examples, and the classic one is BlackBerry uh, as a consumer brand. I mean, five years ago, three years ago, everybody had not just one, like maybe three. Now there's a sense of something just happens and it's, it's not that popular. So, okay, I can do without you. You wouldn't do that with a sports team and a political party. Largely because they have greater residual goodwill. Because they have such a longer runway of delivery, these are political parties. Mm, Every mm. four years we see them. So in between those four years, we're still loving them until they let us down the next <laughs> time. Until they let us down, as you say. <laughs> right, anything else you want to bring up, just in final I, I just I was, I was actually just thinking about Tiffany and, and political parties, just by way of an example, particularly old established parties. That okay. It is about revamping and keeping your brand current. It is about being future fit. It is about being lifestyle relevant and heading where people that desire for themselves. So don't don't beat a path that's not linked to my life. Just understand where I'm going and join me on the journey. Yeah, very important one. Sarah Britton, your final thoughts? I was thinking of the new political parties and thinking, you know, what is the EFS promising that, that established parties aren't? And again, incredibly strong emotional connections, hope, and, and parties that play in a more rational space um, have difficulty in switching people into their brand. And, it, and, and there's a whole lot more choice in political parties now. And sports, every weekend you have a choice as to what you're going to watch on TV. And ultimately it comes down to what do you choose? Why choose me? And that's that's something that consumer brands mm, do very, mm, very mm. well. Yeah, that's where you can leave it. I certainly know from myself personally that I would work my weekend around uh, sports events that I pick that I want to see, be it the box playing in the morning or a soccer game later on in the afternoon. Bilk is saying a Chiefs Pirates is not a brand, it's a religion. Well, you see, that's another whole debate. Blind faith uh, has its part. Someone made a point about Coca-Cola the other day, say, I want that orange Coke. I mean, that's the power of Coca-Cola, which I thought was very interesting. And just in terms of possible brand change of countries, um, We'll see what happens with Scotland, because if Scotland pulls out of, of Great Britain, whether they'll call Great Britain great any longer is, is another whole debate. Uh, some may say that discussion ended about 15 years ago. But thanks for your time, all three of you, Sarah Britton, uh, Michael Goldman, and uh, Sita Kile Marutlule. A fascinating chat around uh, the loyalty issues or the verses in terms of consumer brands, political parties, as uh, well as uh, sports teams.